I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Despite what their moms told them, they just aren't talented enough for radio. Unfortunately, anyone can have a show these days. Sean. Well, I'm pretty hard to figure out sometimes. I can't figure myself out sometimes, so don't you try to. Joe. You're an idiot. And really a disloyal person. This is the Cuse Militia. Those two unapologetically biased, orange-blooded homers, Sean and Joe. It's the most bullshit thing I've seen in 30 years. Welcome, orange men and ladies. Happy Sunday. This is the Cuse Militia with Sean and Joe at Cuse Militia on the socials. Go there. Join the militia. Syracuse's last regular season opportunity at a quad one slips through the cracks as Moses Wright and the Yellow Jackets expose the Syracuse defense. You'll hear from us. We already heard from you and fan feedback live immediately following the game, so we will play that in its entirety. As of right now, Syracuse will stay put to finish up the regular season. US, UNC will travel to face the Orange for the second time this year in the Dome. That tip is set for 7 o'clock. And number 9, Syracuse destroyed number 2, Virginia, in lacrosse yesterday, 20-10. to 10. Oh, yeah. Dan Hamer, he'll give his quick rundown in a segment we call Hamer Time. Syracuse drops to 62nd in the Ken Palm rankings and remains 55th in the net rankings. So, um, not that that matters much at this point. But I figured nope. I'd update you. So, no. And that's a fact. But... Um, so a little bit of football news. So um, Syracuse football sophomore Lee Kogba, he was suspended indefinitely from SU football, uh, and the school announced this yesterday. This is per Syracuse.com. Um, and also Syracuse on the good end of things for Syracuse football. Syracuse has landed one of the top defensive backs in the NCAA transfer portal. New Mexico State defensive back transfer Jason Simmons. Uh, he picked Syracuse over Colorado, Michigan State, Mississippi State, Purdue, and TCU, among others. Uh, Simmons has three years of eligibility left, six foot, 193 pounds, according to the New Mexico State Athletics website. And you can get that whole story over at Syracuse SI. Mike McAllister has been all over that, and you can check that out there. Joe. Um, the indefinite suspension of Lee Kogba, it sucks. Obviously, football doesn't start up. I mean, real football activity doesn't start up for quite some time, which is why it's indefinite. I mean, you know, who knows? Well, how, how, spring practice is kind of right around the corner. And they still do have, you know, winter workouts and stuff like that. I know that, they so. have the, the winter workouts and all that, and they got, they got the spring stuff that, that's going to come up. But when does spring practice start? May? 
Uh, I usually thought it was in April, but it could be. Okay. Um, either way, uh, but what do you think about the transfer? Uh, Jason Simmons, three years of eligibility left, uh, a top top defensive back that's in the portal right now. And right. with Andre Cisco among others, leaving, obviously uh, left uh, some holes back there. So yeah. um, can immediately start, and we're, we're assuming, right? He never have assume. to be <laughs> right. Well, in order for him to see the field, he'll have to be granted an immediate eligibility waiver by the NCAA per Syracuse.com. But uh, good player, and uh, I like the. I always like when an athlete has you know maybe some siblings or some family members that have shown that they have the pedigree, and his his dad was uh, was drafted and played in the. Obviously, he has that going for him, but um, he's also proven a, uh, we, we did uh, reach out to him, and I think we were one of the only Power Five, if not the only Power Five uh, scholarship offered to him back when he was coming out of high school. Uh, he was from Texas, decided to go somewhere uh, a little bit closer to home, but um, you know, as a true freshman at New Mexico State, he played in 11 games, made eight starts, and had 62 tackles, so... Uh, I like that as a true freshman. Uh, they opted out. New Mexico State opted out last year, so they didn't even get to play in a game. So I can only really imagine that the NCA, if the NCA doesn't, you know, give this to him, then there's a real, real problem. I mean, I know that there's conspiracy theories out there about, you know, certain bias when it comes to allowing uh, immediate eligibility Syracuse waivers players. and stuff like that. But I mean, this kid just the whole time he didn't even get to play all last year. So, uh, and with everything with the COVID and, uh, I just feel like there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to play immediately. You're going to make him sit out for a second straight year. But. Yeah. And be two years in a row. So that's dumb. But anyways, um, yeah, that's kind of why I was just, I mean, I'm almost assuming, and I know we should never assume, but you kind of look at it and you think, you know, what, what reason would there be not to allow him to play next year or this upcoming year? Right. So technically right this year. Yeah. So anyway. Um, that is that. So, well, with that said, let's take a listen to what Coach had to say after the 84-77 loss against Georgia Tech. I thought Jesse gave us some good minutes in there. He rebounded. He he still doesn't re- – he still bobbles a lot of balls, but he's gotten to play. This was, you know, really the first time this year Marek just struggled right out of the gate. You know, he just had four turnovers. He, he just got off to a bad start and uh, couldn't get got in foul trouble and just couldn't get anything going. But uh, Jesse did a good job in the middle. I mean, he's obviously he there's, there's balls he's got to get to. And defensively, there was some, some issues out there. Again, I thought Joe was really one of his best halves of the year. He, he was really doing a good job getting the ball to people, running things. He got the ball back to Quincy for an easy three. Just did, I thought he did a really good job. And, uh, you know, Jesse did a very solid job coming in the middle. We tried John Bull, and he was not effective. I thought Jesse was. But, you know, this was, like I said, Marek has been great for us. He, he just had a bad night. That's simple as that. When we press... They're going to get some easy baskets. They're a good team. They're a smart team. They got good ball handlers. Um, you know, we forced a f- couple turns, but they're going to get layups. They're going to get dunks at the other end. That's why we don't press. You know, it's a desperation measure. 
uh, we're not a good pressing team. But when you have to, you have to. That's the bottom line. But they're going to get some points. But, yeah, our interior defense wasn't as good. Our three-point defense was better than it's been in the last two games. But our interior defense was not good. Well, we, you know, we obviously think we're better when Marek is in there. That's why he plays the majority of the time at center for us. We watch these guys every day in practice. And, you know, we haven't seen much from these guys, from John or Jesse. You know, we just haven't seen much in practice. I mean, we're looking all the time. We would like to play another big guy. That's what we would like to do. But if a guy doesn't do much in practice, it's really hard to just say, okay, we're going to play you now. Jesse's just not quite ready yet, but he's got great potential. He's getting We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Stronger. He's working hard every day. Allen has really pushed him in the gym, extra work. But if he, as you can see when you watch him play, he's not quite ready yet. He's he's getting there. I mean, he got eight rebounds. He he blocked a shot. He did some things, and a lot of the interior scoring was really the forwards not being and and really contributing to the defense. But Jesse's, you know, fine. He's getting bigger and stronger. He came in at 200 pounds. We knew this was going to take time. And I thought it would be his third year. And that's why we had talked to him and his parents about redshirting this year, because we really thought, he's not ready this year. Now he's getting some experience. That's good. But I think he can be a good center at this level. I just think he's just got to get stronger. He's up to 226, but you're talking about playing against guys that are 240. All right, the Coach Montage is brought to us by Bet Online, the title sponsor for the Cuse Militia and Armchair Media. The NFL, well, that's over. But 
Professional Basketball League is in full swing, along with college basketball approaching tournaments. The NHL is in full swing. Baseball is coming up. And, of course, NASCAR is uh, rolling, so to speak. Bet Online, they even cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website today, use your mobile device, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code ARMCHAIR, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Thank you, Bet Online. Okay, so, Joe. Sir. Let's, we'll start at, um, let's start with Mark struggling. Obviously, um, he gets three quick fouls, has to sit, and he only plays 10 minutes. He ends up falling out of the game. He had a bad game, and coach said it didn't have anything to do with foul trouble, but obviously foul trouble played a part in some of Mark's woes yesterday. And you could sit here and we can talk about, you know, the first one especially that that coach got teed up on. Was that even, you know, I mean, was that a foul on Mark? Was it blocker charge, right? The age-old question. So, uh, of course, it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, that was a charge, but you know, it happened. Mark, he was out, he was kind of out of sorts, but foul trouble obviously played a huge part. And you know, you during um, during the live stuff yesterday, and I think it's it'll we'll hear it later. But uh, when you were talking, you were like, you know, you were talking about uh, Kadari. Well, if he does what he normally does, well, this game's totally different. Well, we had two guys that weren't really doing what they normally do, and that's Mark and Kadari. And mm-hmm. those are those are the two guys that do the things that don't make the stat sheet all the time. Those are the top two. And um, when you when you look at it, and you think you know you get one of those guys hitting strides, you know that game is it could have been a win. But you get both of them, and now we're talking. But Mark yeah. only playing ten minutes, and he and the dude averages thirty five. Right, and is it's a situation where I think he definitely would have been able to come in and play better now at center. And that's really where it's tough because if he doesn't get in foul trouble, does Jesse Edwards come in because Doljai, he was struggling in the middle against Moses, Wright, And the forwards are coming up to double team, which were allowing, you know, the backdoor cuts and, and people to be open down low. So, uh, it was kind of a gift and a curse because I think that Jesse Edwards had a huge role in us coming back and, and taking the lead. And, um, I thought that he was playing defense really well down there. So <clears throat> if it would have been a situation where Doljai could have put in some of those minutes on the fo- on the forward side, you know, and relieve a Buddy or a, a Griffin or a Quincy when they were struggling, then that definitely, definitely could have helped. But yeah, him and him and Kadari both played uh, below their floor. Uh, I think that they, like you said, they have some things. You know that they're going to get, even if it's just you know six, seven, eight points, something like that, a piece something, with. Yeah couple fouls or a couple rebounds here, a couple steals there, a couple assists there. Like if they just have enough, their average floor game, then we probably win this game. Yeah. I, I don't, I think it goes without saying, I, you know, we win this game if both of those guys are hitting like they normally do. And, you know, Mark's averaging 11 points a game. That's after the game yesterday where he only got two. The difference yeah. in the game was seven. 
So, and I mean, you know, we can sit here and armchair quarterback the whole thing and add up points that never happened. But, you know, when you look at Kadari too, what Kadari score? He had two free throws. Well, he's averaging seven points a game as well. So after right. that, that is that, those are the averages after this game. So anyways, um, moving on, uh, one of Joe's best first halves. Now, when coach says that, and as a pedestrian, somewhat a pedestrian watcher of college basketball, I think that's nuts. And I looked up his first half stats. I think he had, uh, I think he was four for six, something like that. And he had, he had the two foul shots and he had also one assist. I mean, not exactly lighten it up and a steal. He did have a steal. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I mean, not of his career, maybe of this season in the AC, against ACC uh, competition. But either way, I just think that that's just a that's kind of a coach kind of giving a guy a pat on the back and telling him, you know, you played good this half, and then you went to the next half and stopped doing what was effective. Uh, if he would have came out and done the same thing in the second half and been as effective, then he would have pretty he would have had a pretty nice uh, stat sheet. You know, but our guards struggled yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody did a little bit. I mean, you know, bad press, Joe. Bad press. The press is bad. Uh, as you heard Coach say, it's a desperation move. We've seen a lot of desperation moves this year, and yeah. we've seen it pay off once. But, you know, the, the problem, and it's always going to happen when you press, is you're going to get beat. And the yep. the other the other problem is is it wears the guys down and you could just watch it leave them yesterday. I know coach doesn't believe that that happens, but that happens. So, um, no. you know, yeah. it just didn't come together. It came together against Notre Dame, and you think you know when you find something, you find something. But it flustered Notre Dame really good, and it just um, it just didn't work against some of those ball handlers yesterday, especially. You know what, Jose Alvarado. I think he went out with three minutes left, but that was pretty much it was handled at kind of at that point. So, um, right. you know, just another game where where that didn't work. Um, Jesse, you heard him talk about Jesse and and how we he Jesse and John how they haven't showed in practice. And we've talked about this throughout the year that um, he's not going to play guys that don't do things in practice that prove they should be in the game. And it's and it's that simple, but does does what Jesse did yesterday in the actual game prove anything to coach other than you know he had a good run there for you know and by the way twenty four minutes solid and he had a one twenty eight offensive rating which is I mean that's really good that that's higher than Buddy Quincy Joe and Mark four out of the five starters yeah he. This kind of happened earlier in the season. Remember with Woody Newton? Yeah, when one game. He yeah. had a good game, and and, and Beheim was like, you know, he oh, I, that surprised me because he hasn't been playing good in practice, right? right? But mm-hmm. he was in a situation where he had to put him in there, or he just did just to see. But uh, and he played a good game, and then what it did was it all gave him the confidence to give him and earn him uh, more minutes the next game, and hopefully this can kind of carry over to practice. And with North Carolina you know, in the shadows, I'm and they're size i'm pretty sure that um jesse edwards has has earned himself a little bit more playing time uh but again if you continue to not really show in practice and then you don't show up in the games then he's just gonna put himself right back on john john ball 
So uh, when Coach was talking during the press conference about John Bull and you put him in at center, he's like, basically, he's basically like, it's, it doesn't work. It's we recruited John Bull as a as a forward, and we keep having to put him in at center because of the circumstances that we have had this year with Sadibi, and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work right. there, and so they're going to develop him as a forward going into next year, and you know. As far as Jesse goes, he's gained 26 pounds since he's been on campus. That was the first thing you and I, I think, talked about Jesse when we watched him before he, when he was a recruit, was the frame on the kid. Like, there's so much room on him for to fill out. I think he's mm-hmm. broad shoulders, he's tall, and when you get you put another 20 pounds on this kid, we're we're talking, we're okay, yeah. we're we're ready to go, right? He's he's you can see the skills. It's it's just the little things, right? They bought the, talk the about, we butter fingers. Talk about Chuk- yeah, we always used to Stone talk about Stone hands, Chuk-Wu's hands, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, he's just got to get stronger with his hands and, and put on weight. That's really what he what he can. And you saw it uh, yesterday when he was taking the bumps by Moses Wright, and not moving and just playing real physical. Uh, last year he wouldn't have been able to do that. So um, you know, obviously you see a little bit of that twenty five pounds there, uh, but. When you're that big and kind of tall and you're put on the weight and you're still trying to figure things out, like, you know, you have to, your body, it takes some time to adjust to putting on the weight and then being able to move the same way. And, um, again, I just hope that this is a positive note going into the end of the season. Well, I Maybe think the, it is. If you got to pull some silver lining stuff out and, and use that, it it's it's probably Jesse right. yesterday. It's It's probably – the the fact that you know these these players you know coach coming out and basically saying you know he was going to redshirt Jesse and he get, they got the redshirt basically anyway uh, through the, all the COVID stuff and that stuff's only going to be a feather in the cap to Jesse anything that he does on the court in live action is only going to be just that little bit of bonus and if he can do you know get some better practices in I w- I mean that's the thing like get the practices in. And press coach and practice so you can come out. You know, 226 isn't terrible. It's not terrible. Another 20 pounds would be great. So you push 250 and, you know, now, now we're talking, man. And that's kind of what that's kind of what I can't wait to see. So they're developing him and, and they'll, you know, he's just not ready yet, like coach said. Right. So anyways, that is all for that. Look, we're going to play the recorded session of fan feedback that we did live after the game. Now, when we do this, and I want to do more of this because I think it's a, I think it's a blast, and I think it works. But we've just got to let you guys know when we're going to do it, right? So, we will always let you know in the episode previous if we can, so that everybody's ready and we can call. I didn't get to all the calls. There was people calling while I was talking to other people. If you ever are in a situation where, you know, it's just ringing, it's because I've probably got someone on. So keep trying. Um, But anyways, here is that. It's time to hear from you, the loud mouths from the loud house. All right, you guys know what to do at the end of every game. I ask for your thoughts on the game. You go there and leave your thoughts. This is the pre-recorded segment of Fan Feedback. What's up? Hey, Sean. How's it going, man? Good, man. How's it going? What would you think of the game? Uh, oh, my God. Am I the first caller on this? Because You are the first caller. I got a lot of to say, man. A lot of to say. Who, who, who is this? Was... 
Who is this? This, this is Mahir. This is Mahir. Mahir, what's up, dude? <laughs> How's it going, man? Good, good. Uh, good to hear from you, um, man. Good to hear from you, too, man. Really good to hear. Finally good to speak to you guys, too. This is really cool. Yeah, man. I'm glad we can do it. So, you know, when you got down by 12 early and you, you make a run and you go up at the end of the half uh, and you kind of just fall apart. I mean, what do you what do you think? Oh, man, you know what? Let me start at the top. I look, I'm not a Hall of Famer. I'm not even 45 years old. <laughs> look, man, if if you are off to a slow start, you got to recognize something like you got to do something. And first of all, I think the refs were atrocious in the first half. Like those first five fouls, like, are you serious? What was that? You know, and I think I'm not going to say that that was a cause for Syracuse slow start, but I mean, it's, it's hard to play. And my God, there's like a timeout after like two, every two possessions, you know, and when you combine that with like Georgia Tech walking the ball up the court, it was just painful. You know what I mean? That's not the kind of basketball that I like to watch. Um, but I, I, I think like getting, put in a, getting put in a hole early is, is something, I mean, look, I just feel like we've always kind of been there. We've always kind of done this and I, I know, mm-hmm. I know what you I know what you mean with, with the starting five. I think that's going to, I think we see that change before the year ends. I mean, we got what, two regular season games left that we know of, mm-hmm. but the missed, mm-hmm. the missed shots around the rim is is painful and when you, oh, when God, you, when yeah. you have so many I mean the height advantage wasn't astronomical down there I think maybe uh, obviously Moses Wright uh, a hell of an athlete and tough to deal with yeah. but you He's missed a grown man yes you missed a lot and Kadari missed a lot too and he doesn't usually uh, miss mm-hmm. miss that many he was over five so yeah you know but his defense was there but you know, just uh, just tough on the offensive end. You know what really boggles my mind is, you know, Syracuse makes that massive run towards the end of the first half. Yeah. Okay, and it's uh, it was very obvious that Buddy, like I, I knew this was going to happen. I knew Alvarado was going to be on Buddy, and Buddy. I mean, you have to give credit to Alvarado. Alvarado is a really good defender, and he really got in Buddy's grill. You know, and he has a five fouls to show for it, right? But. Look, when you make that run at the end of the first half, why are you taking out your line? Why are you changing your lineup? Stick with it. I know there's only like, you know, a few seconds left, but it's just like, I don't understand it. And some of the substitutions that Jim made today, yeah. Was Griffin a little bad on defense? Yeah, he, he seemed to be a step slow. But the guy put up 20 points for you in the first half, and you're going to harp on him for making a few mistakes on defense? But you got to recognize who's having a good game and who's not. And although, like, Griffin, yeah, he had his flaws, he certainly did. So line up in and start that lineup in the second half. That being said, I did like what Gerard did. I think, I think he was more aggressive. I think uh, – could he have done more? Yeah, everyone could have done more. But I think that's as much as you can ask out of Joe. Um, but, you know, there, there's just – I'm just so sick and tired of uh, – you know, the second half, when it was 53-51, that was the danger zone. And I said, oh, man, all GT needs to do is feed it inside to Moses or hit a three or a three-point play, something of the sort, and this game is over. Syracuse won't make another run. And they look deflated. Well, you know did, you, I mean? did, they, you, they did, did you see how lazy yeah. they got on the press 
towards so lazy. towards you know around the five to three minute mark left in the second half when they were yeah. just standing around and you know. Um, it was just, I mean, are they tired? Yeah, they're probably tired. But if you're going to do it, if you're going to have that many guys back there, you've got to get back on the other side of the court. I mean, there was a long yeah. bomb pass a couple times. You got guys standing around with their backs towards the inbound pass and just waiting for like a whistle to blow for, for play to start. I don't know what the hell they were doing, but let, let me tell you something, Sean, man, look. I'm going to be real honest with you right now. I'm 5'8". <laughs> I'm not tall, okay? okay. Well, you, you and I are both vertically challenged. I'm, I'm about 5'8", too. So. <laughs> but you know what I think? The, the, thing that I, the thing that I miss most about playing ball, man, is I, I pride myself on defense, you know? And I, I, played, I played in high school, um, and obviously I played, like, I didn't play real basketball, like not real live basketball, but I played at Syracuse, like, all of my four years there. Like, I, I played all the time, and... You know, I went up against these big, like, guys that, like, you know, I feel like made me better as a basketball player. But it's all about effort. Like, no one's questioning, Jim, like, whether or not your guys are giving effort. But are they giving maximum effort? Because if they were, they wouldn't be a step behind on the press for so much. And defense, if you press, you know that Moses Wright is going to be lurking right underneath the yeah, rim. he's going to post up and there. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't care who you got in there, John, uh, Jesse, or Marek. Just have him. Just have that player glued to Moses. I don't care about the other four. Alvarado, he's a pass-first point guard, and it's very evident. And um, just like Kadari, he's a pass-first point guard. And there's something about those New York City guards. I'm a city native, native myself, and I can tell you, like playing against some of these guys, they're pass-first point guards. And they're always going to look to get their other teammates involved, which is what Kadari and Alvarado do. But that being said, there was this one play, man, where um, they break the press. George Tech breaks the press. And I, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was DeVoe or Usher. And they're running towards the rack. And you got Jesse and Allen right underneath the rim. And both of them go towards Usher. And they both fall on the ground as Usher or whoever that guard was passes it to right. Boom. Easy two-handed flush. And... Jesse and Allen are both on the ground. They both end up on the ground. And I literally just laughed. I was like, how does this happen? I like, know. You, you, you get you, to you that, gotta expect that path. You get you get to that point where you just gotta laugh. Well, um look, yeah. I I, pre- I appreciate you you calling in, buddy. Uh Moses Wright yeah. finished with thirty one points. It's good to hear from you, man. you always got something too, good buddy. to say and I really appreciate your you listening and supporting us. It means the world to us, man. It's good to finally talk Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. Tell uh, tell Joe to stop putting ketchup on his hot dog, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, get to it, buddy. You take care, brother. Thanks, buddy. No problem. You man. too, my man. You right. too. Bye. Bye bye. All right. Thank you, Mahir. Let's take another call, shall we? Yes, we shall. And I think I know who this guy is. Let's see. Yo, what's up? What's going on, buddy? What's going on, bud? What this, uh, this is? just got it, home from the gym. Did you? Oh, well, wow. that's where I should have been. Instead of wasting yeah, uh, you sitting my fat ass on the couch for two hours watching that, I should have been at the gym. Yeah, you said there's explicit warning, right? So I can curse? Yes, yes, you can curse. Yeah, what a f- that was. Jesus, oh, oh, damn it, man. 
Boy, you were going to owe a fortune to the swear jar. Uh, yeah, th- so I-, I don't know how you watch or listen while you're uh, at the gym, but an absolute uh, a mess. You know, you-, you get down 12 in the first half, you make a run. I think they were up by, what, five at the uh, at the at the half. And then um, yeah. you just totally blow it. They I think they ended up down 14 at one time. And Moses Wright just destroyed us, as we predicted, honestly. I mean, you know, you knew that that guy was going to give us troubles, but uh, the the press was lazy. Did you get to watch any of it or were you listening to it? Oh yeah, I was watching. I, I, today was just, you know, biceps and a lot of cardio. So I'm on the elliptical watching on my phone the whole time. And, you know, I made a habit of just watching the, at least the first half of the gym because how frustrating this season has been. And I just, I get so angry and worked up and I can't be at the dome to let that energy out. And I'm like, all right, I'll just get a workout in. And thank God, man. Cause it's it, in one good way. It powers me to get through and get in good shape. But the other, it's so damn frustrating like 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 joe says all the time effort is free where is the damn effort why are we getting into such a hole in the first half where we just can't dig ourselves out or just we end up gassed by the end of the game like it's just it's just so frustrating it's it's frustrating and i think I, i can't tell you what was more frustrating uh the miss bunnies at the rim or letting moses wright just go off for 31 points i mean yeah you had you had moses wright with 31, you got Usher with 19, DeVoe with 18, and, you know, you got Alvarado just facilitating basically the whole time with six assists, and we just got, I mean, dude, we got out, we got outclassed today. That that yeah, Georgia Tech team, that Georgia Tech team is well put together. How many times have we said this year? Well, yeah, I mean. How many times this year have we been out-hustled? Like, it's just, effort. Like, it's just every, I, I, yeah, I, every loss. I need. I need Joe to tattoo it on my back. Effort is free. I'm such a big effort guy. Like you don't have to have all the talent in the world, but give me effort and hustle and you can make up for it. And we, we just don't have it. Example, example too. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to puff up Kadari cause I know he's a fan favorite, but he didn't score. I mean, he was, he was, uh, where was he? He was 0 for 5 today, but he, you know, he had four rebounds and he did his thing on defense. A lot of the stuff he does doesn't make the stat sheet, but you cannot sit here and tell me just because he didn't score that he didn't give max effort. So, oh, uh, you, 100%. There's so much more than just scoring sometimes. It's like you said, all the little things that don't show up on the stat sheet. Him and Dolajai are great at that. Yeah, I'm a like, Dolajai. We don't need everybody the, to score. We have other guys. Dolajai, what, he got three fouls in the first two minutes of the game. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the one that he got, the one that he got, uh, had to walk to the bench with really wasn't. I mean, come on. He, he the, the, But the problem is you can't really blame the refs on that because the, the real problem with that is is him kind of putting himself in the position to to have to take that foul. And, I mean, just frustrating. Obviously, his lack of minutes today didn't help because he's the heart of that team. I mean, when you look for oh, yeah. someone on the team who's not necessarily a leader of the team but someone who is, I mean, just the core of it. I mean, Dolja is the core. Yeah. He holds everything down, right? He's good on both he's sides the, of the ball. He's the straw. Yes. Yeah. He's the straw that stirs the drink. And I yeah. feel so bad for him too, because he is playing out of position. He is not a center. No. He's basically Bayheim's security blanket where he needs him to play center. And it just, it hurts everything else. It hurts how good he could truly be. And I thought early on, it, you know, it was a blessing in disguise that he, he got into foul trouble and we got to bring Edwards in because Edward got some run. Edward was looking good. Like I love, I love his potential. He just needs to play more and get the confidence. But it, it, yeah, man, it's so frustrating. <laughs> like, I, I just keep going back to that. Like that was a why? that was an that was an agonizing watch 
for me. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I'm pretty good at controlling my temper, but I just wanted I, – I can't tell you how many tweets I put up and then just deleted. Like, no, I didn't, oh, yeah. even, I didn't even post them. I, I wrote them out. I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, because it's just frustrating. I'm trying to vent my frustration, and it, it just is like – it was one thing after another, and it looked for a second, too, like with about three minutes left, like, oh, they're down by eight or nine. Okay, well, we got a shot. No. No, they blew it again. Yeah, and it, it's funny you mention that because everybody knows me as, like, the you know more positive guy. Like, I'm one of the more positive SU fans there is. But, like, sometimes you need to vent that frustration. And, like, I never tweet or say anything to criticize to be an asshole. I say it because I want more out of this team because we all care. We want to see the best for them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's just it. It just comes across, you know, like very negative and, and, uh, disparaging, you know, and unnecessary and unnecessary and disparaging. Those those people saying like, Oh, Gerard should transfer or kick him off the team. And it's like, well, no, like, okay. He has his faults, no doubt. But like, you still need someone. You still need to build someone up and have be an integral part of the team. Like, no doubt, Richmond is amazing and better and should get more run and more minutes. But, like, you can't just kick a guy off the team and just, like, throw him out like trash. Like, oh, I'm done with him. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Joe's decided to join us. Joe, say hi to say, say hi to Tony. We Tony. Let you, we let you, <laughs> before oh, we let real you. Real quick, Joe, because you just got on, I've quoted you, like, three times that the effort is free. And I might have mentioned that I'm thinking about just getting that tattooed across my back. <laughs> Are you going to put the original JG below it, Joe G below it though? You got to do that. Dude, I, I might, I might let Joe tattoo it. He can just autograph <laughs> it on my back. Come up for an SU game this fall. You can just, you can throw that sucker on stencil and I don't have somebody tattoo it. Uh, real promise, qu- promise you, you don't want that. Real quick before we leave, Tony, your efforts on getting people signed up for the vaccinations and things doesn't go unnoticed. We appreciate it. How many are you up to right now? Uh, total appointments I've made is like 180, 190 people. I've signed up is like 145. And what I mean by that is I keep rescheduling people to get them in sooner. Okay. That's awesome. I, I hope yeah, uh, my Twitter fingers have finally paid off for something beneficial. Yeah. It's not just for being a complete asshole all the time. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Wow. That's rude. <laughs> that's not rude at all, man. Like I, if a buddy calls me an asshole, I love it. I appreciate it. Um, but on the serious note, man, it doesn't go unnoticed. We appreciate the efforts and everybody, you know, I don't know if there's anybody within earshot who needs appointment set up, but if you do, uh, DM at Q's Waterboy on Twitter and he will hook you up. Okay. And the other thing Absolutely. is, the other thing is fans in the dome supposed to be allowed. What do you think? Oh yeah. Our County executive came out and said, they had the green light. Like, let's go. It, it should have happened a while ago. I mean, our numbers are great. People should be in there, but. For whatever reason, FU dragged their feet, and, you know, it's Saturday with a home game in 48 hours, and I've heard crickets about it, so it's probably not going to happen. The biggest thing, too, is Tiana's final home game tomorrow. tomorrow like, yeah. If anybody deserved people in that in that dome, it's her. Yeah. Like, she, she needed the proper send-off, and it, I'm just – And honestly, it if it doesn't happen, it's a travesty, and I think it's spineless. That's just me. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. I agree. So, okay, Tony. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Appreciate everything you do. Thanks for being a super fan. Thanks for supporting this show. We love you, man. Take yes, care. Sir. Hey, I love you guys, too. And you guys, two, three hours a week in the truck listening to you guys is just the highlight. So I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, have a good one, guys. All right, you too. All right, so I'm winging these as we are doing this live. So I'm not, I'm not reading them first. 
at Baptized by Fire 7, we suck. I'm tired of sucking and I'm tired of relying on a hero every game in order to win. No one on this team is special. Richmond has a chance to be, but other than that, uh, the collective pieces we have put together like a puzzle is not good. We can win some games, but... So, you know... When you look at the team, the team matchup today, and, and like I said, I didn't think it was going to be a great matchup for Syracuse coming into this game. Just Georgia Tech's just so much, they're a well-oiled machine right now. And to the point that Syracuse could or should or would be, I think Sadibi has a, has a, has a, you know, him being out plays a huge role in that. But obviously Georgia Tech hitting their stride right at the right time. Just a, just kind of a full team. And a, and a team effort today. I mean, they did they did a great job. Twenty six assists on thirty three buckets. So, yeah. uh, you know, you can't with that number right there. The <laughs> the unselfish play and getting Moses right the ball down low, Joe. Um, just you know, we just don't have that. Yeah, that's pretty obvious, right? Uh, that was tough. It was tough to watch. Um, I thought Jesse Edwards brought some energy, which I did like. But yeah, man. Um, they killed us down low. Uh, we spoke about how they were a very um, experienced team, bunch of juniors and seniors, and they played like it. I thought there were some things that happened early in the in the game that kind of hurt us, um, obviously. But uh, you know, five fouls in the first three minutes, and Dolzhai pretty much being in uh, foul trouble purgatory he's, all. He's, he's in foul purgatory all game. Yes, three in the first like two or three minutes, and <laughs> you're done after that. What can you do? Right. You know? And again, again, I mean, I I think that there's going to be a lot of fans that probably come out and are like, oh, well, well this is what the big men have to offer. Because I thought that Jesse Edwards, he played pretty well, I thought, as far as from my expectations. And honestly, he was actually guarding Moses Wright one-on-one better than Dolzhai was. And it was allowing us to actually play the 2-3 zone the right way. But um, when Dolzhai was in there, it was like a forward had to come and help, and then there was an easy dump off, and I, I really would have liked to have seen them kind of squeeze their two threes down a little bit and maybe force them to shoot more more threes, but, you know, it is what it is. At Tony Staffieri, the fact that Passner never had to change defenses once in 40 minutes should explain how pathetic this offense really was today. Joe, I talked about it with Mahir. I mentioned it with, with Q's Waterboy, but you weren't on yet. The amount of missed buckets close to the rim. Again, Gary A., uh, Richmond, unfortunately, missed a couple. Right. And, you know, it was, I mean, losing by seven could have been one of, you know, it's never one thing. Right, Joe? But, lose, yeah. but losing by seven, that and a couple other little things uh, could have really shaped this game up. And to, to lose by seven, really honestly, in this game with Georgia Tech shooting 50% and the missed opportunity of them not scoring a lot from outside the, uh, the three-point line uh, was another opportunity we should have taken advantage of. But, yeah. you, you know, it, this game could have been blown wide open. This could have been 100 to 77 at, at the pace Georgia Tech was 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 really working us in this game. Right, but that's the thing with Georgia Tech is that they don't go deep, so they have guys that they hit spurts where they, they get a little tired, but the energy and the emotion and all that doesn't really go away with them. And you heard the you know announcers talking about that, and we've spoken about that as well uh, as far as like slow starts and certain people just not looking in the ends of the game. Uh, it just seems to me like – 
most teams we play against, it seems like they have more energy um, and hustle than we do. And that's unfortunate. I don't really know, you know how we fix that. But to me, realistically, uh, this game, I mean, it, to me, it's Kadari. Kadari just has an average game and does what he normally does. And we're in that game near the end. Don't really like how it ended. I thought we should have fouled and tried to make them. Yeah, you know, kind of make some shots. Kind of threw up the white flag a little <laughs> bit and just playing hustle, trying to hustle. And uh, how about what did you think? And I talked about this with the, the the two callers, but what did you think of the lackadaisicalness in the press with about you know when you're really starting to chip away at a lead and you get it down to seven or eight and you got guys kind of standing around during the inbounds like they're waiting for for a a, a whistle to start playing. Yeah, they just weren't. There was a couple different times there where they obviously weren't ready to press. And again, I think that just goes towards what Coach said about their their press, saying that they're not good, they're not a great pressing team. So sometimes there's going to be those little lulls, you know. And I thought that there was Georgia Tech again being an experienced team and with Alvarado and everything. Uh, yeah, I just uh, they figured out a way to to just get the ball down down the court. I mean, we got them a couple times, but, um, you know, we were too loose to the ball. We had too many turnovers. And uh, it would just be – I was wondering, and I was thinking, like, what would that first half look like if, you know, we didn't have those first three minutes with – I mean, you think about that technical foul. That could have easily have been a charge. And, yeah, I mean, you're talking about what he scored, mm-hmm. and then there was a technical, and then they hit both twos, and then they mm-hmm. scored off of that possession. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you get six points there. I mean, Alvarado was doing the same thing the whole first half, and they didn't call anything until the second half. I mean, the the officiating kind of switched as the game went on, which was, you know. Was it just another, just another thing to criticize with ACC officiating? I mean, it's just not that it's it's not that it's unfair. Sometimes it's that it's just you don't understand what the game flow is supposed to be. Like, yeah. Well, and on top of that too, I thought there was a lot of missed calls. There's a lot of balls that went out of bounds that they called, I think the wrong yeah, way. They, and I think that there was confused, a couple of times yeah. where I thought there was a carry they missed. I thought there was a couple travels that they missed. Yeah. It, it was not really a great game for that crew. Just put it that way. No, so. but is it ever though? I mean, this is a constant problem. So no, but that one was bad. That that one was really bad. Well, all right, we will be back with the rest of fan feedback and the North Carolina preview right after this. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have, or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. A couple more things real quick. Let's hear from our good friends over at BetOnline one more time. You know they've got all the sports over there. That's easy. Did you know, though, that they even cover award shows, TV shows, and reality TV? Real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine, BetOnline has you covered for all news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bet, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code ARMCHAIR. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code ARMCHAIR. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Thank you, BetOnline. Now, eBay. Dot com slash sneakers whether rare dead scott stock or the latest release find the exact shoe you're looking for on ebay that is the original sneaker marketplace ebay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing and with ebay's authenticity guarantee a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're even sent to you so you can shop confidently knowing your pair is the real deal And for all of you sneaker sellers out there, eBay is eliminating selling fees on sneakers $100 plus, making it free to sell or flip your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money for more sneakers. What else? Check out ebay.com slash sneakers today. Go there, ebay.com slash sneakers. Check it out. Thank you, eBay sneakers. Let's see here. At Turf on Fire on Twitter, we don't grab defensive rebounds, chuck threes, don't hustle in transition, and turn the ball over at a high rate. Outplayed and outcoach. Not to mention outscored by over 30 in the paint. And at one point it was was 18 to 2, I think, coming into the second half before that started. And it was just atrocious down there. I mean... You know, seven for 21 from three, that's not going to get it done if you're not going to be able to score inside. And it was just kind of, um, it was abysmal, man. And this was this one was a, was frustrating as far as, 
you saw the hustle in the beginning of, or towards the end of the first half to get, take that lead going into the locker room. And then I felt pretty good about it. And they come out and they just, they're just flat again. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, there's just, it's so frustrating to, to, to never know what you're going to get with this team when they, when they either come in onto the floor for the first time of the day or coming out of the locker room and always starting slow, Joe, um, here was on one, he, he made a point, you know, when you have a constant problem of starting slow all the time and be, you're, you're always going, being put in a hole. I mean, what does that tell you? What do you do? And I said, basically, you know, at some point, I think maybe we do see Kadari start and, I think probably maybe out of one of these last two games coming up, but it's true. We're always in a hole to start games. So it's frustrating. Yeah. That's always. what it's been like. And it seems like there are teams that are starting to kind of score at will down low against us as well. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if Mark, I mean, he would have helped on the offensive end, obviously, but I mean, I think that it's obviously is, we need a big man. We need a legit big man, and it's hurting us. And I mean, four minutes into the season this year, and basically, that's pretty much what what you can go back and point to, which just threw this team into survival mode immediately. Four minutes after the first tip, so yep. it's. I mean, it's unfortunate. Dole's been playing out of position all year. What do you think, though, about uh, Jesse Edwards getting in there? He had some good minutes, seven points, eight rebounds. I mean, that's really good. It was really good for him. The one thing I do criticize or could criticize on Edwards is that he's got hands of butter. Uh, It's so tough for him to just grab loose balls, and he missed a couple easy ones. And uh, and uh, as far as rebounds goes down low, that you know could have been uh, that that stuff needs to be cleaned up and he, it could have been avoided. Robert Braswell with some good minutes too, five points, but two for two from the line, which is good. So, at, not at we're on Facebook right now. Zach on Facebook, top fan. ACC basketball is more scripted than WWE. I guess that's a reference to the officiating, and well. I mean, mm. <laughs> it it was so glaringly obvious at the beginning of this one that that was going to kind of go that way and be kind of the story of the of the day. But I just I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, necessarily. I'm not blaming the refs, but it was like you said, Joe. It was it was just bad. So yeah, anyway. wasn't a good look for sure. No, Alan Griffin, Joe, twenty six points. 20 in the first half though. So that's kind of the that's kind of the storyline we see with every player that starts hot in the first half. Uh Buddy did the same thing. You know, you start hot and you and you cool off. He did start on the bench in the second half. What do you make of that? Just getting him some rest or what? Who's that, buddy? Griffin. Oh, I have no idea. What what was that all about? I don't know. My dad brought that up too, and he was just like, "Uh, "I don't really understand that." Like, and then he was pulled. He was pulled for some bad defense, and then he he stayed pulled. And we're, you know, we're out there like fish out of water, flopping all over the place. And I mean, I don't, I don't know. Is it punishment? I have no idea. I I didn't understand that at all. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you, buddy. (laughs) Don't know what to tell you. All right, let's see what else we got here. Jermaine on Facebook, best bet is to just win the ACC. Otherwise, our NCAA tournament is goodbye. So, 
obviously I think this was it would be a long shot to get to to be to get to a quad one win before the ACC tournament. This was pretty much our last chance with UNC and Clemson coming up at home. Both of them outside of 30 in the net right now. I don't foresee them jumping that many spots in that amount of time before the ACC tournament begins. So, Joe, it looks like Syracuse is going to go 0-6 on quad one wins. And not only that, but not even a really good road win as far as, as that goes as well. Was wait, was Virginia Tech at home? I do think that that was a home game. So I don't even think there was. The, yeah, okay. So really, there's not there's not really any... There's not even really any road wins to point to that you could be like, man, there's some good road wins in here. We just didn't get a quad one win. Like, we don't even have, like, a really decent road win. So, I mean. Yeah, and NC State's probably our best one. Yeah, and that's not – I mean, where's NC State? They're, they're nowhere. So, with that said, um, it, it is looking bleak. I don't, I don't know if you have to win the – ACC tournament, I mean, Syracuse has not gone on a three-game losing streak yet this year. So we're at two and heading into a game against UNC. Who's who's going to give us trouble? It was a close game last time, but we got killed on the boards last time. It ain't, look, it ain't looking good. Top fan on Facebook, Michael. I was actually relieved to see Mark pick up the fourth foul quick into the second half. Jesse was playing great, and Mark just couldn't handle their big guy. Coach seemed reluctant. To put Jesse in at center, I don't like it when Jesse was in and Marek was at the forward position, but it seems like that only lasted for a minute or two. Oh, well, hopefully Jesse can develop even more next year. Yeah, this is like this is kind of like a scrap year. I mean, that's what this is going to boil down to, I think, at the end of the day, Joe, at the end of the season. That's kind of what this is going to come down to is, is just getting like a – Getting some of these guys some some burn. It's just another year. These guys, all I think every single one of these guys get to use an extra year of eligibility if they want to. So some teams are hot. We are not. Yeah, that's definitely the case for sure. <laughs> Inconsistent. Don't know what to really get from. You don't know what we're going to get from any player, really. So... No, it's not. Well, just, you know, you know, you're going to get d- good defense from Richmond. Yeah. And you know you're going to get a lot of offensive effort from Griffin. But other than that, yeah, but even Griffin, he's not consistent. He's not cons- he's not consistent, but he does he- You know, they they put Alvarado on Buddy to take him out of the game and it and worked. That worked. <laughs> he did yeah. he did come up with 12 points and 5 rebounds, which isn't horrible, but that's not a typical Buddy day. So, right. um, you know, especially um, Alvarado is just a talent man. He plays great defense. He's obnoxious. And when you get when you watch a game and you and you look at a player and you're like, this guy's freaking obnoxious. You know he's good. So he's good. Yeah. Robert, top fan on Facebook. So yet again, we simply are getting out muscled. I like the effort from Edwards. He's just not big and strong enough. I really like the dynamic of Richmond and Gerard in together. And I am still waiting for someone to become the emotional leader. There is no fire in these guys. Look, this is something too, to that point, uh, and just kind of elaborate on it or even broaden it maybe. The floor general, we don't have one. If you could point to one for me, let me know if I'm wrong. But there is no single leader out there that 
tells this team, you know, huddles this team up and all this stuff. It's just, it's been far too long, seasons worth of not seeing this. And at the beginning of the year, you think maybe it's Buddy, maybe it's Gary A, but I just don't see one. Joe. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. And honestly, <laughs> it's one of those things where, again, you see certain players, they get down and they don't even really cheer on. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I kind of try to pay attention to body language. And sometimes you don't know if someone's just got bad, bad body language because they're just not playing well. But like as far as today goes, like the one play that I saw that was kind of like telling to me was when um, when Quincy got kind of like flipped over. And fell when he went to go like try to block a shot. Yeah, and he yeah. fell. Yeah, he he was on the ground, and our whole team walked away from him. And two and guys from Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech helped him up. up. Yes, I, I I thought to myself, that, where is that to me? That to me is that that team isn't together. There's other things going on there behind the scenes, and that that was very very telling to me. And we're never gonna know one way or another. No, but, we won't. Of course, but. That was, but your, obviously, with the player that was involved, you know, just not a good look. Yeah, not a good look at all. And you're not going to win without a leader. No, no team wins without a leader. No team's right. going to. I mean, you can win, but I mean, what do we want? A couple wins? You know, at the it, the whole point is to get into the tournament and see what you can do. Yeah, and, you all have, also have to be selfless and be able to play with each other and understand, you know, that you got to play a certain way to get a goal. And right. I just think that they're just having a very difficult time trying to make these, you know, trying to get this team to, to gel into that. Yeah. I just, I'm upset, man. I think I'm upset too. Be, it's depressing. If I really think when you look at it, a seven point game, as much as it looked a little bit closer than what maybe it felt, I still felt like there was just at any point we could have went off. Yeah. Oh, kinda, I mean, kind of closed the gap. Yeah. I mean, there was but, three minutes left. I thought we had a shot. I thought we had a shot where I think we were down by eight or nine or something like that. And but you know, I, if Kadari does what he normally does and Marek doesn't get in foul trouble, then I really, I honestly think we get that game. Yeah. Well, if it's in butts we'll or candy and nuts, we'd, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. So that's not what happened. So we'll have to we'll wait till know. Monday. Yeah. We need the game Monday. Syracuse has not lost three in a row. Uh, in fact, we're going to tell you what we think about UNC. But first, thanks to everybody who participated in fan feedback. The live thing's uh, a little new, so we'll get the hang of it. But I want to thank all of you and especially a special shout out to our buddies, uh, Mahir and Cuse Waterboy. Uh, we appreciate the call-in as always hope to do it again soon they are who we thought they were that's the that's the title for this one syracuse came back and uh had a dominant performance against the number two virginia team that came off a win against loyola and army so huge win for the orange leading the orange on offense for brennan curry he had seven points and stephen rafus also had six points and then freshman owen hiltz had five points Let's be honest, this team, way different team from last week. As I said to people, this was the game I had circled. This was game number two. This is the game that I wanted to see what this team would come out with. They came out with a lot more fire. They looked in sync. The defense turned it on after the first quarter. Down 5-4 going into the second. Syracuse outscored Virginia 16-5 to to finish the game. Think about that. Big time win for this program. Back to championship weekend aspirations. 
Uh, more discussion on this on Twitter at SULAXPOD and also on the podcast at SULAXPOD. Thank you, Dan. If you want to hear all things SU lacrosse, go check out the SU Lax pod with Dan Hamer. He's also going to have Tucker Dordovich on. So go check that out, of course, after you listen to us. All right, North Carolina is 15-8, and 9-5 and five in the ACC. The all-time series with UNC sits at 14-5 and five in favor of the Tar Heels. After going on a 10-game losing streak, Syracuse did beat UNC last year in the first round of the ACC tournament, 81-53 to before all of that was canceled. But the last time they played, 81-75 to loss for Syracuse. Guerrier with 23 points and 11 boards. A close game earlier this season, but the boards were the difference. Syracuse was negative 17 when everything was said and done. Baycott and Brooks, they killed us earlier in the year in that game. 31 points and 22 of North Carolina's 48 rebounds. Both of them sit at the top, still averaging the most points for the Tar Heels, both in double digits, 10 and 11 respectively. Uh, They've won four out of their last six, starting with a win over Duke on February 6th. Last night, they did defeat uh, 11th-ranked Florida State 78-70. They did have a Marquette loss in there, but, um, you know, it it is what it is. Still four out of the last six. And just for the record, I feel like Florida State is probably the best team in the ACC for what that's worth. Uh, North Carolina is currently 34th in Kempom rankings and 42nd in the net rankings, making this a quad two game at home. Joe, another team hitting their stride right when it matters. <laughs> North Carolina is coming off of a huge win against Florida State. As of right now, I have not heard of any plans for fans at the Dome. We had looked forward to this as an edge that we haven't had yet this year, and we were hoping to get this in the last two games. It doesn't look like it's going to happen at this point. And after watching the loss to Georgia Tech, I just feel like there's a lot of things that need to be cleaned up for Syracuse in one day to pull off a win even at home. What do you think? Yeah, well, we really gave this game away earlier in the season when we uh, when we played them down in, in Chapel Hill to, to have it that close and be negative 17 and to shoot the way that we did against a team that's pretty good at defense. I mean, they're 22nd uh, defensive efficiency team uh, in according to Ken Palm in the nation. So uh, it's definitely a team that um, goes deep. They play pretty much 10 guys every single game. Uh, earlier in the year when we played them, I think they had seven different guys score uh, seven points or more. So they pass the ball around and they get the ball to the um, to the open shot and to the mismatches that they have. Uh, and obviously, we know with us, with the rebounds and the trends as far as we're concerned, um, that it's basically that's what it's going to be. Uh, we got Sharp in, in foul trouble last time, so we didn't really have to worry about him too much. But Baycott and, and Garrison Brooks both had double-doubles against us. And those, that's, I mean, that's pretty much going to be the game on how we guard them. And, uh, you know, with Brooks being able to make that mid-range jumper at the free throw line and Baycott just being so big down low, being able to get that pass or just the rebound, um, that's really going to be, the you know, the biggest key. And I, I have to imagine that we're going to suck in the 2-3 zone to try to stop that, uh, which then turns into the next key of how well are their guards going to shoot. You, know, you got Caleb Love, RJ Davis, um, Walton, a couple guards that can shoot some threes. And I know they hit a couple against us, but they only, I think, went five or 20, 24, I think, last time. So realistically, like last time we played, the only reason we lost was because of uh, rebounding rebounds and the offense rebounds and just how easy they had it around the rim. Uh, so that's really just... 
going to be the difference. Yeah, and when you, you know, negative 17 on the boards and, and you keep it that close, I mean, gosh. And that was early in the season. That was one of our first ACC games, wasn't it? It was like Boston College and then UNC, yeah. if I remember right. But um, I was, I was, I remember thinking at the time, man, if, um, you know, if we clean the boards up, obviously, I think we win that game in Chapel Hill. And at this time right now, as we talk, you know, six weeks later or whatever it was, I just, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm down. I'm down and out with the <sighs> Syracuse basketball thing. I've, See. I'm, I'm deflated. But, uh, you know, I think, I think this, I think, I don't think this is a terrible matchup. I really don't. They've just, no. they've just got to be, they've just got to be. More efficient. The what bothers me, what what makes me think like a pessimist is what I saw against Georgia Tech and how bad it was. But like like we said, Kadari and Dolajai don't usually have games like that. Right. So, with that said, anything's possible, and I always think anything's possible. But yeah, just well, it's it's tough. It's tough when you have somebody when you have big men that can. Like Georgia Tech, for instance, right? For the most part, they had a couple of guys that could neutralize our big men on as far as how well they played offense. Uh, Gary obviously struggled in the first half. Uh, Dolzhai was in foul trouble the whole game, so we really didn't get to see that. But they had guards that could guard our guards. And um, I don't see the North Carolina guards as Alvarado and DeVoe. Um, so I would agree. So you're, what you're saying is the the 14 times we turned the ball over, leading to 28 points for Georgia Tech, you know, is something that's most likely not going to happen twice in a row. Well, North Carolina can make it. Like I said, North Carolina can make it ugly. When you look at the Florida State game, uh, they just that they just won uh, again. They. Baycott and Garrison Brooks, their big men really didn't even play that well. The, the scoring was spread out. Kessler came off the bench and had a good game. But, uh, I mean, the turnovers are like 21 to 17. North Carolina, where they won, was I think they hit 27 to 30 free throws and then okay. out-rebounded Florida State by eight points. So those are those type of games that North Carolina is going to play the grinded-out type games. And um, obviously that might not they might not be able to do that against the 2-3 zone and get to the line that much. Um well, it but, depends on how these games are going to be called, too. Because since the, since we never know anymore, right? Um, you know, that's tough. Plus, you know, not to mention Syracuse be after starting, not starting, but becoming an eighty percent free throw shooting team, have been a, have been off the mark a little bit the past couple games. So, yeah, you know. Well, in the positive, when I look at the matchup on ESPN. ESPN usually has a matchup predictor, and they have 55% Syracuse, 44% UNC. I guess the so difference there like, could be home, home field advantage. Maybe. But it's this this year's tough, Sean, when you really look at it. Because you look at the past couple of years, we've been right there on the bubble. Uh, I think this year, again, I don't know how they're going to really look at it. Um, usually we get, what, 13 non-conference games? Yeah. So, so realistically, when you and we've been what close to 500 around for the most part, they talk about you know just get around 500 in in ACC play, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we're seven and seven with two games left, so we're going to play two less ACC games than normal. So that's different opportunities, obviously. Thank you, Louisville. And 
Well, we'll see, right? We'll see. Yeah, we might get one, right? But on top of that, we only were allowed seven non-conference. If we get six other non-conference games, I mean, what would we be talking about right now if we went five and one with six other non-conference games and our record right now is 18 and nine with seven and seven in the conference? Well, now we're talking. Now we're we're talking. Well, we just got to get one of the last two, and then go into the ACC tournament with 19 wins at 500, like we've been for the past three years. True, but still, the 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 season as a whole, you're still 0, for, 0 and six on quad one wins. You're still, you know, without without. Knowing who we who we would play and where it would be, we're also not really taking home any trophies on the road from the road. So, oh yeah, you, you I know, I mean, I understand. It's been it's been one of those. It's been difficult. It's been a struggle. And there's some teams that stayed healthy, and obviously, I think you know have risen to the top. I mean, Florida State has done a tremendous job. Have they even right. had a pause? Did they have a pause? Florida State? Yeah, this yeah. Did they? Okay. Um certain teams have. There's been random number and that's again right now. I mean, you have Florida State, teams like Florida State, Virginia Tech, they've only played 13 games. Pittsburgh 13 games. You know, you look at Miami, they've played Louisville. 17. How many has Louisville played? 12. Yeah. I mean, in what are they? Like 36th or 37th in the net? I mean, I don't know after that loss. Right, I mean, at this point, not playing games looks like it helps as far as those ratings are concerned. And if you not playing oh, wait, games they, is because... They beat Duke last night. What am I saying? Louisville. Oh, right. No, I get that. But I'm just saying, you don't know where they would be if they had these games that they were supposed to be playing. You yeah, know, just I know. Because I know that's what's so difficult about it, but you, but at the end of the day, you got to do you. You got to you, you this this year more than any other. You've probably had control of your own destiny more than any other year. You know, I mean, which is oh yeah, which, which is you don't think some you don't think a situation like a Louisville or certain teams where they've had multiple issues with this to where like, I mean, you're talking about bringing sixty four, sixty eight teams to. A so-called what state bubble? I mean, are you really gonna wanna? You really gonna wanna invite a team that's that irresponsible? <laughs> a team that's caught that that much? You want them? You know, are you gonna trust that they're gonna be able to if, play by the rules? Because they haven't for the rest of this whole season. But, so, I mean, I guess but that's we don't my know point. their situation though. Like, have they or haven't they? I have no idea. We don't ever. No one ever knows what is the deal. You know, did they go home and, and then come back? I mean, I have no idea. I don't care what the deal is. If the game got canceled because your player got covid i mean louisville had at least one person positive and had to deal with the whole contact tracing for i think a whole month yeah it was like five games between in a, a couple row. different players right yeah so it, i mean it, obviously, it, it obviously is. that's not being handled and now you're taking away games from other teams and then just because you come out and beat a duke and you 13 and 5 because you only played 18 games i mean at at the end of the day I don't knock. I actually don't knock the ACC or the NCAA for the way they've handled it. I think that knowing what they know now, they might do it differently. I think knowing what they know now, I think it should have been a little bit more loose on the restrictions. And you can say, oh, that's irresponsible to say. But I think it's been proven to this point that um, some of the some of the protocol, and I don't disagree with it because we didn't know coming into this what it was going to be like, but... I think some of the protocol was a little ridiculous. There was there wasn't much consistency. 
and some of the some of the things that we've seen and dealt with this year, like you said, weren't fair to other teams. Like there should have been more things in place to be able to either make up these games, and we've talked about that. But it should have been maybe spaced out more at some point, and they just didn't plan it well. If I can criticize the NCAA at all or the ACC, and maybe they take a little bit of blame each, but it just wasn't it just wasn't handled well. When you know you know there was games going to be canceled and or postponed. Well, and I think that there's also certain situations where teams kind of got a little bit of favoritism. I mean, look at a Boston College team. They've only played 11 conference games. They've only played 17 games overall. They were forced to play, I think, with only four scholarship players available one game. Yeah. But you can't tell me that there hasn't been certain teams that because a certain somebody on their team couldn't play. They just canceled the damn game. Yeah. 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 And that's what I'm saying. Like. There's no consistency to it, and and that right. goes back to 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 Louisville in in the beginning of the year when we were talking about, you yeah. know, the wearing the contact tracing equipment. You know, it's like a a band or whatever you wear on your wrist, and like I thought that was supposed to be clear cut, and like it takes days to go through this. Like I, I just it, no. it, it they they didn't do a good job. I don't really no. fault them for it. You think though, throughout the year, it would have evolved into something a little bit more consistent, but it just never did. And now here we are. Yeah. And, and, and you have all these different teams that have played a different amount of non-conference games, a different amount of conference, just overall. You got teams that play that have a difference of, you know, eight, nine, seven games played. And, and then, like I said, on top of that, if you really want to make these serious kind of protocols as to why. As to why uh, you can't play games and you have to do all this contact tracing and we need to do this right then I'm sorry, but if a t- if a game gets postponed because of a team ke- got a positive test or there's something going on, then that should be looked at it as a negative light. I just don't think that th- this year out of out of any year, you can't look at records. You can't look at oh we're never going to get to 20 wins. You can't look at I mean oh yeah all absolutely. These, you know these net rankings and Ken Palm. It's only going as far as pretty much the amount of games you've played based upon an average. Yeah, because so I, Louisville. I don't see how you. Right. They, they stayed right there around in the mid thirties and they didn't even right. play a game. Right. And it was all their fault. <laughs> yeah. That Every single one of those about a month was their fault. Yeah. Got canceled. True. So I'm sorry, but that should, that should be a hit. And you know, it doesn't matter what Joe Lenardi says or any of the net rankings or any of this stuff. It should definitely be a hit in the net. Ken Palm, like we've talked about, he does something totally different. Right. So, um, and, and none of his stuff is put into real life practice. Let's be honest. But the net rankings, like that, should should have been mirrored in that to some extent, right. somehow. Right. Right. So and it's got to it's got to it's got to work backwards too, right? I mean, when you look at Duke's overall record, that's going to be tough. And I mean, obviously, you see them; they're step, they're eleven and nine, nine and seven in the conference. So they only played four non-conference games. We only played seven, but it's you know they canceled some non-conference games so is that going to go against duke no because they don't have gimme wins right so it's just right so obviously these averages of certain things are going to be you know worse for teams that have got 16 17 you know 15 conference games versus a team that's only got 11 or 12 and the rest of their wins are off of non-conference so like i said i mean it's it's to me all these experts that are saying this is not a normal year so 
I, I don't think that it's going to be looked at as as one. And I think that the NCA and, and the committee are going to look at those a little bit differently. And, you know, like I said, as far as previous seasons go, I know that Syracuse wants to be, oh, this, that. Like, We're in the same position right now I'm looking at, as far as I'm concerned, that we have been in the past two, three years. You know, 500, and we just need a couple wins to try to figure it out. And yeah, so. well, in my, opi- my opinion is, yeah, we still need we still need something. I mean, if I'm, I'm just trying to be honest. If, I, if, but if, we can't look at it as a normal year. Like I, we need to get I, the twenty twenty one. I'm not games, even looking right? at numbers. I'm looking at the wins that you have, and it is what it is. And I understand. In in let's be let's let's let me th- correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. But Syracuse never, never was Syracuse's fault for any of the games that they were had postponed, and they did play without Buddy for two games. Is that isn't that right? So we played. Um, we, yeah. we played without one of our best players for a couple games, and we never, we never had to cancel on another team or postpone on another team because it was our fault. It was always another team having to postpone on us because they got some. They don't have their house in order, and right. um, like to your point, that's. I mean, it's it seems legit to me and you, but is the committee going to look at it? And it's politics in there too. You know, we you talk about you talk about this every year when regardless of COVID, we talk about this right. every year. And well, how, yeah. So I don't And that's where you can argue that out of any year, this is a year where a committee can pull some fast ones and kind of explain they could make any excuse because it's not even gonna be even. Right. So realistically, they could they could really just look at it like, oh well, you know, we got a chance to basically put in the best teams or the most exciting teams because they can make any type of excuse for any reason. I mean, I they know. usually do anyway, but they usually you know, do just, anyway. Correct. As long as we get close to the bubble and there's a, like a reasonable situation where you can maybe, you know, kind of explain why we made it, then you never know. Cause obviously, like you said, it's comes down to, to the money and the ratings and politics. And you know, that, you, anybody that looks at our team knows that we have a talented, dangerous team. We just haven't put it all together. I think, I think that there's, there's a t- proven lever or leader. Yeah, and this would not be a team that anyone would want to see in the tournament. I mean, I don't and think so, but we haven't really shocked anybody other than Virginia Tech. But here's the thing. But here's the thing. To your point, I'm not trying to just disagree with you because it's fun. But I did. I did was texting with James, and I and and I just said, you know. I think that there's a lot of talent on this team. They just don't play as a unit. And, and and it's just been what's missing other than Sadibi dealing with the cards that we're dealt right now. That's the thing that's missing in my opinion is that they're just not they're just not a cohesive unit. And nope. um I think that's what they're missing. And if well, they I mean, could, obvious. the talent's there. I mean, you look at you look at Buddy, even Joe. I mean, come on, Joe's talented. Like, I don't, I don't even want to hear it. Like, he's talented. Buddy's right. obviously talented. We've seen him go off. Uh, Alan Griffin's talented as hell. And Kadari Richmond and Marek and, um, you know, you but, look. I mean, as you would it, call him. I mean, we saw it yesterday, right? As you would call him, Wake Forest. I mean, or Georgia Tech. Did I have I said right. that on air ever? Though? No, no. Yeah, ever? Yes, but not Have today. I? Oh, not okay. Today. Not um, today. Well, good. Just looking at Alvarado. Like, you watched that Georgia Tech team, you knew exactly who that leader was on their team. Absolutely. Who, who okay. kept the fire going, no right. matter how he bad fouls the out. Or... He fouls out. He huddles his men. He's like, look, 
I'm out of the game, guys. This is what we need to do. There's X amount of minutes left. This is what we need to do. Mark falls out of the game. He just gets up and walks to the bench. No one (laughs) huddles up. It's just like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, obviously, there's that's the disconnect in the team. Obviously. And Alvarado, dude. He's a pesky mosquito, and but he's a yeah. freaking he's he's awesome. He's I would player. take him in a second. Yeah, he's yeah. a player. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. That's the that's that's that effort. He's always been that since his freshman year, true freshman year. I remember him for the last four years. One of those players that you're just sick of. You want to see leave. Yeah, like it just never seems but, like he's ever gonna be able to graduate. But that's the guy that you want on your team every hell single yes. time. Hell yes, too. Hell yes. So, I mean, you saw what he meant to that team yesterday, and he did, barely didn't scored. So, also notice, uh, also notice, real quick, his body language on the bench after he fouled out. He was right. up slapping towels around. He was right. freaking raising. How was how was Marks sitting there pouting? No offense, but that's yeah. what he was but, doing. And he's and he's a senior now. I know he's been maybe some language barriers and maybe a little bit more quiet spoken. And he's really not been the it's leader a type of guy. Thing, sure. He does his leadership and his talking on the floor, but. Again, he he does you know he does show that effort. We don't have to worry about that with Mark. Absolutely, but we just don't have that guy. And like he said, you don't. There's certain instances where it just doesn't look like. I mean, I think usually Griffin is is all right on the bench, but you know Joe doesn't seem like a great bench guy. Um, no, buddy, and, I don't know. Maybe mediocre. I can't really remember, but I do remember Alan Griffin. He, he, he I've seen him when he's wanting to come in. You can tell. You can tell. He's standing. He's not sitting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, but you don't see that, you know, you see Quincy get flipped over and take a hard fall and you see Alvarado run up after he realized that like Alvarado and Usher. Yeah. Two Georgia Tech players. Two Georgia Tech guys. He landed and not one Syracuse player went over to help their their player up. So (laughs) again, which we talked about in fan feedback. Yes, we did, and uh, that, that's the kind of thing. I mean, you got Alvarado running over and picking up uh, a, a Syracuse, you know, player. an opponent. Yeah, versus mm-hmm. one of our guys. So that's the disconnect. That's the stuff that you that you want to see taken care of. You want to see a team go out there and have each other's back and play for each other and not care about scoring. And even if they don't score, still know that you're going to be down there playing defense and putting in that effort and trying for one another. And that just that just doesn't happen, and it's blatantly obvious. And um, to Mahir's point in fan feedback, if you remember, um, he, he talked about you know those those New York City guys, the the pass first point guards, the unselfish play, the the doing all the little things, not worrying about how many points they're racking up. That's those are the guys who are true leaders and and true MVPs of of their team. You know, because because Alvarado can score when he needs to too. But if yeah. he if he could see it if he sees an opportunity for some guaranteed points he's he's going to pass that ball off. So you, know, you could tell he was complete floor general yesterday. And oh, he absolutely. led that team. Uh, sorry, I missed you yesterday, Mahir. By the way, yeah, Joe, late to everything. That's okay though. We'll we'll, hey. we'll <laughs> maybe I jumped the gun a little bit. I got a little antsy. I wanted to get you right did. in after that. I you well, did. let's let's be honest. The the there was a miscommunication because I wanted to I wanted to I probably jumped the gun. But I did want to get in there right after the game. So I thought, you know, I'll get in and I'll set everything up. Joe will be on. It's probably going to take a little bit to get calls. And boom, they started coming in. So anyways, uh, I only we only had did two because when you guys call, I want you guys to talk. I want to give you the floor. You know, not like, not like Dominic type takeover stuff. But... <laughs> 
but I want you guys to have the floor and say what you need to say. So, anyways, we'll look forward yeah. to doing that, Joe. But before we leave, I do have to I do have to go over the predictions from last game, and we got to get the predictions for this game. And <sighs> so we are we are running we're running way over. I hope I hope I hope you know we're not boring you guys. So we went down a rabbit hole just now, but yeah, it it, ha- it happens. So. You had 70-65 Syracuse. I had 78-70 Georgia Tech. Obviously, I didn't get the score right, but the spread I put at eight points was actually seven points. Not bad. I take that again. So that's three in a row for me. And uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna do we're gonna do we're gonna do UNC right now. And I'll go first. I'll go first because I just want to say that I have the last two games. I've picked against Syracuse, and I don't do that as just a pessimist. It's just what I feel, and what I feel this time is Syracuse. I, I, I've I've made this point before, but they haven't lost three in a row yet, and I don't see it happening again. I do think there's a chance we lose this game, but I think. Obviously, there's always a chance, but I'm in my gut. I'm, I'm feeling that we're going to pull this out. I think it's going to be a close one. And we're going to need to hit shots, obviously, and we're going to need to rebound the damn ball. And if and if we can do that and maybe even try to get some of these guys in foul trouble and hit hit the foul shots, we can, we can pull this thing off. I'm going to say 78-74 Syracuse. Okay. Took my score, man. Did I? No. Oh, okay. I was gonna say you can keep it. We can go. We can both go. You know, same score. Yeah. Uh, as bad as we've been doing on the road this year, we have only lost one game at home, and that was January six against Pittsburgh by three. And yeah, so, well, that was a that was a that was a, there was things in that game that would. Oh yeah. That was ugly. Hundred percent. Yeah, that yeah. should we should have never lost that game. That was a kind right. of kind of a one off. Yeah. So Literally. I do. Honestly, this one's. I hate to see basketball. I just hate it because I, after what we were just talking about, right? Like, if we don't get it together and start playing as a team, then these games are just going to get uglier and uglier until the game, until the season's I, over. I know, and it feels so like, like a, we're play, we're playing less and less like a team as. Instead of going up like everybody else, we're like going down. <laughs> right. So that's that was very scientific. Huh? I'm just it's not about being scientific as much as just you get some some teams sometimes just don't gel or don't work together. Uh, or they can't figure it out. Um, and I just I've never seen a Bayheim team really you know, do that. Usually he's going to play the guys and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, God, I'm, I'm going to pick us to win. I'll pick us to win 74, 66. Um, okay. Look, yeah. I know that, that basketball is tough. We don't even have the spread doesn't even come out until the day of, but you can look on the ESPN predictor. I know you got your eyes on that thing all the time. And also, it's just fun. So get over it. Okay? Well, Say okay. It's not fun because it could be ugly, ugly, ugly. 
It can be. That but... crap happens again. So. Oh yeah. If that if we play like we played against Georgia Tech, I mean, this word this. If Mark plays ten minutes against UNC. Yeah. Toast. So anyway. But I still I think we have to stay big. I think that. So you want to see some be... Jesse Edwards in there? I want to see some type of change. Um, I didn't like what Kadari did, which sucks because I was hoping I didn't like what Gary A was doing either. I mean, we got to got to make shots at the rim. This is this this is becoming a this is becoming a plague for Syracuse. Mm -hmm. You got to make the shots at the rim. You guys are right there. I mean, I just I think at this point we've tried. So he says, okay, we got to we got to put Mark in there because it gives you know, that's our best chance to win or. You know, we have to do this or we have to start Joe because Kadari has, you know, these issues and everything. I think that well, he likes to use point, Mark for his for his quickness. He's a little yeah, quicker. But at some point this year. But you see where we are. Like, obviously, a Georgia Tech team. I do think that, you know, barring some early calls and some bad calls, I think personally, my opinion against Mark took him out of the game. Um, that's that's everybody's opinion. I mean, anybody can look at that game and be like, dude, 10 obviously, minutes, five and then fouls? Kadari, I mean, like, again, yesterday was a, it was a winnable game, and I was hoping that Kadari was going to be able to come in there. I talked about in the preview about I thought that they were going to have Alvarado on Kadari, and um, they didn't. They actually put a forward on him, but I still thought that he got to the, to the floor. I mean, he made that DeVoe fall that one time and went and then just missed the layup. I mean, he was – he was getting there. He just wasn't finishing, and uh, we needed him to to do that. So I hope that they can work with him, get his confidence. I think what we need to do, really realistically, is we just need to throw out this whole. This is what we need to do to get a chance, or this is, gives us the best chance. Like they got to try something that that they haven't tried yet. Like don't just say we can't start a big man because Sadibi's not there. Like Jesse Edwards played a decent game. Put him in there and start. Start him, start Gary, start Doljai. It's kind of what do you have to lose? You know, like t- take have Joe and Griffin come off the bench because you got enough offense. You feed it down to those guys. You don't need Edwards to be an offensive guy. You don't need Kadari to be an offensive guy if you got Buddy and you can feed it down to Gary. A no, or and you got you Edwards got grabbed. He grabbed um, eight boards yesterday. So, yeah. And, and you know, look at the, the matchup that it goes against. And he missed at least three. Right. This team plays three yards. I mean, I know they got a little bit of height as far as guards go, but um, I like Quincy Gary. I mean, if you start Jesse Edwards and you start Doljai and Gary with Kadari and Beheim against, especially look like at this North Carolina game, then Beheim's going to have a little bit of a height advantage, advantage in his matchup. Kadari's going to have a height advantage in his matchup. Quincy's going to have a high advantage in, in his matchup, and he's going to, I mean, Quincy against 6'7", Leaky Black, who's a guard, I mean, I like my chances there. Right. So you're going to force you're gonna force Roy, uh, Roy Williams' hands to put in bigger guys versus not having three guards. And, um, I mean, why not try something different? At this point, we, we know what we have with how we've been playing and the rotation that we've been using. Um, so at this point, if you, you know, we're not, we know he's not going to change the defense. We know he's only going to press when we need to. So why not just throw a different lineup out there that throws people for a loop? Go big. Yeah. What do you got to lose? They're, they're definitely not going to be ready for it. If, if you start that, if it started off like that. Huh. And if yeah. Edwards gets in foul trouble, then you can move over. Dolzai, you bring in Griffin, yeah, right? You go back to what you were doing for the whole year, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
right. Look, I thought that this was going to be a shorter episode for me and Joe on the day of because we had pre-recorded the live fan feedback stuff, but here we are. Uh, regardless of what we what we do ahead of time, I guess Joe and I are going to sit here and talk for an hour, regardless. So, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. I guess it's muscle memory. It's what we're used to. All right, I want to thank everybody who stuck with us and hung out with us for this entire show. I want to thank eBay sneakers. I want to thank Bet Online for Joe. I'm Sean. We're out. Peace.